Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome, everyone, to the Live Fully Podcast. My name is Victor Chung. My name is Alexander Karp. And today, I thought it'd be great if we talked about a previous podcast that Alex and Felix, who's also in the room, uh, recorded uh, maybe a month ago. And you guys did a great overview on some research by uh, Dr. McCurdy. And I listened to it on my way into work. It's very entertaining. <laughs> I should have listened to the actual recording from McCurdy, but I love getting the cliff notes instead from you guys. So thank you for that. I highly suggest any of our listeners take advantage of the fact that Alex and Felix are here to help break down some of the science for us. So anyway, thank you for that. But I did have some questions. So I had some follow-up questions and I thought I'd uh, you know take the opportunity to ask the man himself here. So anyway, as I was listening, one of the questions I had was the are there chemicals that actually activate the sigma one receptor that was kind of the main the main thesis of the recording from McCurdy right was around Correct. the sigma one receptor maybe yes, we should do so a background on what it was before we kind of jump into these specifics <laughs> sorry about that yeah I am assuming that this is a talk that McCurdy gave on is there a cure for pain yes that's and the one yes yeah, so Dr. McCurdy uh, out of University of Florida, Christopher McCurdy, he is a uh, PharmD, a PhD, and a researcher, and has spent many decades now researching pharmacokinetic activity, synthesizing drugs, synthesizing or semi-synthetic drugs, primarily in opioid receptors, pain receptors, and that branch of pharmacokinetic activity. And he brought up this sigma-1 receptor, which when we humans were first discovering this receptor, they thought it was another opioid receptor. So mm -hmm. there is a mu, kappa, and delta opioid receptor. And sigma was kind of the next evolution of that Greek alphabet. So they thought it was a fourth <laughs> right. receptor. There'll be an omega. <laughs> and so it was kind of confusing, though, because it had some activity for pain or that side but then it was also kind of confused with a mnda receptor which is where kind of pcp activates and there's some of that kind of pain relief mm. body disassociation antidepressant that kind of that complicated activity mm -hmm. and what mccurdy found was that there is this compound that he created or identified that activates the sigma sigma one receptor and it's really not well understood what the sigma-1 receptor is, because like I said, it was kind of confused with other opioid receptors than other potential receptors of other classes of drugs and compounds. Did he tell people what that compound that he used? To yes. I mean, it's I don't remember the name he gave mm. it, but it's a specific chemical that activates the sigma-1 receptor. Got it. But what was unique was that they found that if they fluorinated the receptor, which kind of makes it radioactive, which is 
a technique that is used for PET scans. So the CAT scans and stuff, or is it is that something different? Um, similar. So yeah, so a, like a PET scan is like a positron emission topography, which typically a dye or some kind of compound is injected into the body mm. that has a radioactive signature. I've seen images of that. Yeah. Yes. It's and really so it's fascinating. A, yep. And basically that is what gives doctors or scientists an ability to see things that are going on where that chemical goes. Mm-hmm. And what was unique was that when they fluorinated that compound, it became a very reactive sigma one receptor agonist. And where that became usable is that pain is kind of this elusive indicator for doctors. When you go to the doctor, they kind of ask you, what's your pain like? And they kind of have a you know, sad face at 10 <laughs> and like a smiley face at one. Kind of there's, there's not really a That's way to my, test for pain. It's my, it is my least favorite part about going to my doctor, the current doctor I have right now, which I'll talk about in a bit. I love the experience except for that because I'm, I'm always thinking about what did I say the last time? Yeah, obviously, it's super subjective. So when I go in, he goes, oh, Victor, how is your pain these days? And I go, well, I mean, it's okay. It's, but did I tell him it was a four last time? So because I think it's better than before, so I need to say a three right now. And it's, so it's, it's very difficult, right, obviously. So... It just creates a lot of stress for me <laughs> right in the beginning off. They're like, if I say it's a seven, though, is he going to start making me do a bunch of things, take a couple of things, you know? But if I say it's a one and then now I don't, I'm not going to get any treatment at all. So there's just all this pressure that kind of goes with it. And I'm thinking through and, and it's, so I have so all the control in the world for all of this, but I'm not the right person really because I can't, I, it's, it's too subjective. I can't actually like compare one to the, to the, to the other. My one visit for another, especially since it's like usually three months, six months later. I don't remember exactly how I felt back then. I just know it was bad. Yeah, so. correct. And and so that's that's also where doctors face that challenge because mm-hmm. typically if you know a patient comes in, they do an MRI to look at kind of the soft tissue. And I had an MRI on my back, and I can and they can see a degenerating disc. It's like okay, well that's very obvious, like where that pain is probably coming from, like structural issues. Correct. Yeah. But mm-hmm. McCurdy then gave examples of like these two patients where someone's neck was very clear, the discs were kind of bulging or very small and kind of impinging on nerves, and it was like okay, this is a typical patient. And then right next to it, he showed a typical MRI. And, you know, looks like a beautiful spine, all the vertebrae are nicely separated in that side. But the story was that both of those patients reported a 10 out of 10 pain level. And so from a doctor, it's like, well, clearly they can see some issues very easily on MRI, but other ones look normal and they can't see it. And so that's kind of the dilemma that they're faced with. But what's unique is that McCurdy is doing clinical trials right now where they're combining this MRI along with the PET scan using this fluorinated compound that he developed. And so this compound, what what they found is that the sigma-1 receptor gets highly activated when nerve endings are firing in pain signals. Mm, And so basically they, they show these now MRI images, but then it has a heat map of where the pain is actually radiating from. Mm-hmm. So for the first time, they can actually see pain on some type of objective test and actually locate into it. Because it's also, I'm assuming it's not just identifying the location, but it's also showing intensity. 
correct? correct? Yeah, and and so one of the clinical trials they did, uh, a patient had uh, pain coming from their knee, and they had a knee surgery and kind of clear out the scar tissue. But oftentimes, if you read the research, a lot of those surgeries are maybe fifty percent effective. It's just, and so w- the patient had that surgery, they cleared out scar tissue, but still reporting pain. And unfortunately, then surgeons look at that and they say, well, we already did what we thought we could do. I'm not going to do more surgery. And what McCurdy then did was used his combination of these two imaging and they would show that, oh, this little area lights up really brightly, even though it looks okay, it's lit up very brightly there. Mm -hmm. And so they finally found a surgeon that was willing to do a second surgery with this kind of next level of imaging and data, did the surgery on the patient, and then that actually removed the patient's pain. Yeah, I'm wondering if, if that second area was not a spot that they normally would have worked on. Correct, or looked yeah, at, because right? they had because it they wasn't. already did surgery on it. They removed what they thought was there. Mm-hmm. So it looked fine from an MRI traditional yeah, I'm wondering, scan. Yeah, like, was that area like that from our scans? everything is fine. So I don't see why we from MRI only scans. Correct. It looked okay. And Mm -hmm. multiple surgeons looked at it said, well, it looks like a normal knee. I don't know what, where I would go in and remove anything because it looks normal. It's not obvious Mm -hmm. from a simple MRI scan. Wow. It goes back to just the the importance of measurements and tools. And, you know, we're only as effective as what we can measure and see. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's the, and that's the definitely the challenging part. And especially when, considering that most, I mean, humans come in such wide ranges of shapes and sizes and our body compensates. And I mean, I think we were talking about David Goggins on like Mm -hmm. Rogan's podcast, and he's kind of notorious for pushing through pain. And so when doctors look at his knees and it's like, you have no cartilage whatsoever, like how are you even walking? And this guy is running 240 mile races. Yeah. And so there's very wide differences of personal experiences, pain levels, tolerances. And so, yeah, it's, it's very, very hard for doctors to be able to kind of use one approach across everyone because we, we vary so, so much. Yeah. You know, as you were going through this the first time with Felix, it was, it just resonated so much with me because I went through this exact issue for so many years and it's the reason why you know, I discovered Kratom with you and why I use Kratom for so many years you know on a daily basis it was because I had pain this chronic pain that regardless of how many doctors I went to how many MRI scans that I that I had done they could not identify the issue and it was absolutely defeating and I remember the last we've talked about it before in previous podcasts on when we first discovered Kratom. And it was during one of those kind of down times when your back was going through a bunch of issues too. It was tight and seized up. And then I had just finished getting another MRI. I saw a specialist, like the third specialist in a matter of months. And they just said, your only option is surgery. And much to, like you were describing with the knee surgery, they said it was like a 30% chance of success that you would remove any pain because they said it honestly looks fine, but it could possibly be, you know, if we remove your L4, L5 or something like that and put a prosthetic in, this could solve your pain issues. And looking back, had I done that, it would not have solved any issues because it has nothing to do with my spine. 
Yeah. But that's what they assumed. And I kept telling them that it's it's not it's lower back pain, but it's really my kind of I think my hip, my left side. But they would do scans over there and everything seemed fine. No indication of any issues. And so there's no treatment. I said, just go on some hardcore pain meds and you'll be fine. Just manage it. Mm-hmm. And so thankfully the good the good news is we discovered Kratom through that process and you know, Kratom obviously has changed our lives. But it wasn't until just recently this year, you know, I happened to just meet a person that heard my case. And even at when I went to their facility, they said, there's nothing wrong with you. <laughs> so, so we have no way to explain it. And there just happened to be this doctor who is no longer really practicing and is more just instructing folks. And he's a, he's a teacher now. And he goes, wait a minute, your case reminds me of somebody that I worked on 17 years ago. That's the only other time I've ever heard of this where everything seemed fine, but there was a problem. They were living with chronic pain. And so he said, let me, let me take a look at you. And you know, he, he did an ultrasound into this one particular area in my lower back on my left side. And sure enough, he found that a muscle had, through an injury, had a bone fragment that was piercing into this area and it had just killed all the muscle there. And so I had just fluid, and that was what was causing all this pain that I'm suffering through. And so he said, you know, with some stem cell treatment, we can put it in there, and you'll be 100% fine. And it's, it's, it's unbelievable. You're like, there's no way, 100, 100%, 100%, yeah, 100%, you won't feel any pain anymore. Just do this. And now, months later, it's true. That pain has gone away, and it's been life-changing. But it would have been amazing had the McCurdy technique existed seven years ago, ten years ago. It's been that long. It's been over ten years. I don't even know how many years now at this point. But had that existed back then, we could have identified, better identifying my pain, and we would have been able to do treatment way back when versus relying on this random person that just happened to know this one case that's similar to mine. So. It's so great to see that level of advancement that we're always getting better and that people are having more options. So one question I I had was, McCurdy is obviously also very much involved in Kratom research. Has he used Kratom on patients and then done this Sigma-1 receptor technique to see if some of those nerve endings are not being as fired as much because of the kratom like is there any research which involves kratom and his oh no yeah definitely not i mean mccurdy is still only doing animal studies on kratom just looking at pharmacokinetic effects and then i think they were looking at doing a so he primarily uses mouse or rat study mouse models and i believe he was doing a potential trial on dogs with uh, arthritis. They were looking at a proposal coming up, but I haven't seen anything come out yet for publishing, but I think they are working on that side and kind of, so going from a simple model to a more complicated animal model as they work their way. I believe Mary Payne out of Washington University is doing kind of the, the pre-trials on human studies. So I think they used kind of the giving kratom to healthy humans to then kind of see if there's any detrimental effects from that and so that one first came out and there's no issues to be concerned about so now they're kind of moving to the next level of those human clinical trials oh, that's great 
can't wait to see it. Thanks, Alex, for going through it one more time <laughs> and clarifying some uh, some questions I had, and I uh, really appreciate it. So thank you for that. And as always, if you're listening and you're enjoying this and want to support the show, please uh, visit ethanaturals.com uh, for all your botanical kratom needs. Follow us on, on all of our social media channels. Um, it's Ethan Natural Botanicals on Facebook and Ethan Live Fully on Instagram. I hope I'm citing those correctly. If not, it's in the description. And of course, as always, live fully. <laughs>